your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. And hello, my friend. You're, well, okay. Oh, yes. The person at home and also you. Hey, everybody, just side note, speaking of friends and uh, by extension, girlfriends, Today, the day we're recording this, February 13th, is mine and Teresa's date anniversary. Aww. Uh, one, Our first date, 10 years ago 10 today. 10 years ago today, we intended to go see the movie Crazy Heart, and instead ended up talking in a bar for like three and a half hours. And that was the day I knew I loved her and wanted to marry Aww. her. That we is, closed the bar down that night, We I did, think. and we missed Two showings of Crazy Heart. <laughs> and then our friends got us a copy of Crazy Heart for, I think, our first anniversary, and we never opened it. Nope. Still had the plastic on when uh, we donated it to something, I yep, think. Yep. Uh, <laughs> what a love story. So, speaking of love stories, because I think that friends uh, should love each other, we're talking about friendship. This is part two of friendship. Yeah. Uh, last week, we talked a lot about the history of it and the psychology of it. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Today is Galentine's Day, too. It is Galentine's Celebrate Day. your friends today. Galentine's. Now, I saw yesterday, Palentine's Day. Is that hmm. anything? I don't know. Not not a Parks and Rec reference, but I mean, gals, Galentine's Day can be for you boys as well. Well, here's the thing. I remember, I was thinking about this the other day. I remember in like elementary school, just giving giving them to everybody. Going and yeah. get some cool Ninja Turtles Valentines. Giving them to everybody. Stuff like, ah, oh, I'm shell-shocked by how awesome you are, or you're totally tubular. You know, that kind of totally thing. Totally tubular. You get it. I do. Um, so let's talk a little bit first about kind of the uh, 21st century kind of thing of friendships. How have they evolved? Well, okay. Um, psych- psychotherapist Karen Seeger says that true friendships are based on unconditional concern for the other. Which is a little different from our last episode, yes. right? Because we were talking about mutual benefits Correct. and it was more like tangible uh tangible benefits right but this is more about the emotional uh connection and i also i really like the use of unconditional there right because here's the thing and i don't often like to wave this particular flag but as a parent i now have a deeper meaning of what the word like the phrase unconditional love means Mm. right because like listen I love BB unconditionally. I cannot think of anything BB would do or Dot, but right now Dot doesn't do anything. But I can't think of anything our kids would do that would make me stop loving them. That said, I sometimes have like, you know, heart to heart talks where it's just like I'm not telling her what she wants to hear and I'm saying no and I get frustrated and I get angry. Sometimes you feel two feelings at the, the same, same time. Yes, as Daniel would say. As Daniel Tiger would say. And that's the thing is unconditional love for a friend doesn't mean I'm always going to like make you happy. Right. right? We don't need that. That's not what that really means. Well, uh, happiness is another thing. You yes. know, you know me. You can't make someone happy. Right. Anyway, um, anyway. Karen Seeger also mentions that friendships uh, can provide grounding, safety, comfort, trust, respect, and the feeling of being understood and valued. Check, which, yes, check, check, yes, check. Of course. So, but what does this mean for the 21st century? Well, uh, Dr. Robert Holden says 21st century friendships are soul friendships. 
Ooh. Aww. They are about supporting each other to live a life full of purpose, courage, and creativity. So basically, we talked about last episode. Think about, you know, cave people being protected, uh, you know, with friends saying, mm-hmm. you, you watch my back. You take care of this task while I take care of this task, right? Well, our needs as a society have evolved beyond that, right? We're not so much worried about being attacked by wild animals. So our threats are more uh, psychological, right? More metaphysical of like, am I living my best life? Am I happy? Am I taking care of myself? Am I doing the things I need to do to, you know, make my life fulfilled? I also think that a lot of this, these roles were filled by family members at one point, right? Um, so you had kind of your your family safety net of trust and respect and right. things like that. But H- hypothetically, hypothetically. In, a, in, in a good scenario, yes. But now, because people don't live in such large extended family right. units, we tend to disperse more. Exactly the the role that your family used to fill is now filled by your friends. This kind of psychological comforting. Yes. And not only that, the way that we've looked at society has changed. Dr. David Hamilton, who wrote uh, Why Kindness is Good for You, points out that the heart of our Western culture is that we are incredibly independent, right? And so one of the biggest happiness blocks we experience is a phenomenon called dysfunctional independence, which is basically that, like, I'm going to do it on my own. I don't Mm. need help. I can do... I mean, we've seen it with BB, right? Like this... Of course. I do it myself. I do it myself, right? And then she'll struggle and get frustrated where if she had just said, will you help me? It would have been done quicker and she would have learned how to do it because we can demonstrate it, right? And so this is a thing we see a lot uh, in our modern day interactions with people. Man, it happens with me. Well, uh, I want to backtrack just for a second. I think it's important to let children do things themselves, obviously. Absolutely. Maybe the first couple times... You could let you could help, but then they do need to explore and do things themselves. That's another show. Yes, another this show. is what I think of when I think of dysfunctional independence. Right, you have a big armful of packages. Right, you're clearly having trouble holding all of them, and somebody says, "Can I help you?" And you say, "No," because you are embarrassed that you can't do it, or you're confident that you can do it without help. All of these things, where it costs you nothing to say yes, thank you so much. Right, mm-hmm. that is kind of to me the summary of dysfunctional independence, and we we see we all want to be success stories, right? And I think that there is a certain branding and messaging in a lot of advertisement and that kind of thing of like, you can do it and buy your bootstraps and that kind of thing. When I think the people who are most successful and usually happiest are people who allow themselves to rely on others and are not disappointed by those other people. Sure, to a certain extent. Yes. Um, And this is evidenced by... In a lot of cases with therapists, at least with mine, and I know a lot of others, that when you come in and say, like, I am going through, a, you know, a depression episode, that one of the first pieces of advice that therapists give is go spend time with friends. Um, because being able to talk about your problems with someone who, even if they don't understand what you're going through, even if they don't have any helpful, you know, piece of information or advice to give you, just have just saying it out loud to a receptive, loving audience can do a lot. And even if you don't talk to them about it, getting out of your own head and going and having fun with someone 
will make you feel better. Yeah, sometimes it's better just to talk about anything else. Right. And that's a really great thing that a friend who maybe doesn't understand where you're coming from or can't uh, empathize with you can still talk about anything else or let's just go bowling you know don't don't think yeah that sucks and Mm. i know that sucks and you're allowed to feel that way i don't really like bowling okay go see a movie okay Okay. well but you can't talk while you're in a movie okay that's my point they're gonna do something fun it's not important it's not important so let's go here's why i don't like bowling it's because it's like hurts no the ball is so heavy and Uh i get tired so fast by carrying it like the first couple frames really good but the the diminishing returns of bowling this is true also i've never once walked away from bowling and thought i felt better than i did before i started (laughs) (laughs) both psychologically and physically okay okay so and let's just put the bumpers up. You know, who are we yeah. kidding? Like, we're here to get strikes. I, okay. I can get behind bocce ball. Okay. That's kind of like bowling. I like candle pin bowling. There's a, like, duck duck pin bowling is also what maybe what it's called. But, like, it's like tiny bowling. Light balls, like, six pounds or less, three pounds. Anyways, not Anyway. Important. So, let's go over some friend do's. Okay. Right? And maybe some don'ts in here, too. But, and... Th- all of these are going to sound, when we say them out loud, obvious, right? But obvious doesn't always mean the same as easy. Yeah, or easily the, accomplished, right. even. So, one, pick your friends wisely. Mm-hmm. And this can be really hard, because when we meet someone, we don't know all of their characteristics. We don't know all of their qualities. So they may seem at first to be a good pick for a friend. And then as we get to know them, we find out that, Maybe that is not the case. This is why I'm a fan of pruning like your Facebook friends. Yes. So like it's great. Every person you meet, fine. Be Facebook friends with them. But don't be afraid to be like, mm, this friendship is not what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you know, separate ties. Yes. Um, it's been found in studies that um, having a friend who disappoints you in time of need can actually be worse than no friend at all in a time of need. So it's uh, you need to be careful who your friends are. And here's the thing. That doesn't mean you should only have, like, the closest, tightest personal friends, someone you can depend on 100%. But I do think it is important to know who amongst your friend group those friends are. Right. Like, I have lots of friends. There are many people in this world that I love. But I have, like... 10 or so that I'm like, that person is the person who's always there. That is the person I call. That's the person that I can go to. And I think it's important that you know who those people are in your life. Now, it is also important to make time. And listen, I think we've all been there. Gosh, it's difficult sometimes. Right Right now, you know, we've got two kids. uh, We work. We travel a lot. Um, There's a lot that can get in the way. And also, not only that. But man, I've been in positions where I've made plans with people, and then when it comes to the day of, I'm like, I don't want to leave the house. I don't feel like putting on pants, right? <laughs> yeah, but it is important that we do because nine do times put on pants do put on pants to leave the house when it's required. Nine <laughs> times out of ten, right? When I have made myself get up off the couch and go do those things, it has made me feel markedly better. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's kind of a, a is it is the right word paradox. Where you feel like you feel so much better at home, but then you make yourself be uncomfortable for a minute, and then you feel better afterwards. I don't think it is. Maybe it isn't. Well, I think of it more of like Newton's laws, right? Of an object ah. at rest stays at rest, but an object of motion. Like I think once you start going, you feel 
better about going yeah. than if you're just like sitting there. I think that's it. That's right. right. And, that's a good metaphor. And it's also good to spend time with people. Um, and this is maybe one of the tougher ones on here, which is practice vulnerability. Right. It's one thing. And it goes back to that kind of, uh, you know, bootstrap individualism right. thing. Right. And uh, I will not name names, but I have a friend who I love very much who is a very sympathetic ear, who will be there for you and listen to whatever your problem is and help you in any way that they can. And as soon as I say, and how are you? They say, I'm good. Yeah. And it, it's pulling teeth to get them to actually open up and tell me about the stuff they're going through. Right. And the thing or is. Or it has been. It has been. They're getting way, way better. Um, but the thing is, is like the people that you love, right, love you. And very rarely is that a one-way street. And if someone who is your friend who loves you who says, how are you? They don't want the walking down the hallway at work answer. They want the real answer. They want the, yeah, you know, I've been like, this is a thing. They're not just being polite. Right. This is a thing um, that has actually... Teresa has uh, indirectly helped me with, which is every time I talk with Justin and Griffin, Teresa will say, how are they? I'm like, oh, I I don't know. We didn't talk about that. We just talked about, I don't know, whatever TV show we were watching. And so me and Justin and Griffin have gotten better about not just talking about service stuff, but like, how are you doing? How How's, you know, the kids, right? Actual in-depth conversation. Right. And this can be very scary, right? Because when you are vulnerable, you are vulnerable right like who would have thought right as soon as you say i'm worried about this thing you know the other person could laugh and say that's a dumb thing to worry about and you feel bad but this is where we go back to choose your friends Friends. wise yeah this is a thing teresa and i do yeah and have done since day one is say i would like to tell you how i'm feeling or right now i'm feeling this and we're not looking for feedback on that. We just Sometimes need to be heard. Sometimes I even just say, I'm having a lot of feelings right I'm now. I'm having a lot of feelings right now, and I can't do that. Or like, <laughs> I just want you to know, and I know this is childish, but like, I'm feeling like I deserve ice cream or whatever, right? <laughs> and like, saying that out loud helps you be understood by the other person and helps you feel understood. Now, this is a small thing, but ooh, it matters. Remember birthdays and important days. Right? Like, it's such a little thing. But in this day and age where everybody has, like, calendars and reminders in their phone or whatever, put birthdays in there. I think that's why it feels so nice on Facebook to have a right. Facebook on your birthday. I mean, people, it's it's largely reactionary. Facebook tells you right. when the birthday is. But it's not hard right. to write those three letters HBD. You know, and that's even if it's not that maybe it's like a bigger deal where it's like going to surgery or a parent who's going to surgery. Right. Those kinds of things that show not only was I thinking about you, I remembered about Mm -hmm. you. That's a big deal. And this is a thing for me that in my adult years, I've made an active like effort at, which is I'm going to contact this person. I'm going to not just think about them. I'm going to contact them. And, you know, Travis loves birthdays. I love birthdays. That's true. I think they're very, well, this is from me growing up sharing a birthday with Justin Mm -hmm. that I always felt like I got at best 60% of a birthday, but that's another episode. You um, were the first person in my life, really, to make such a big deal about birthdays. It's it wasn't my can family. Be all about you. Okay, oh, yeah, another episode. Okay. Have we done birthdays yet? I don't know. <gasps> I need uh, to look. Another thing: play games, do events, right? I, mm-hmm. I and 
I maybe feel personally strongly about this one because I am a big fan of like table games and board games and stuff. But I think that by playing games, uh, be they competitive or cooperative, you get to know the person deeper. Like you get to see their mind work. Mm-hmm. You get to see them approach problems. You get to see them deal with issues. You get and like you get to kind of role play. I think D and D is a great way to build friendships, frankly, because you like get to role play and do different scenarios and try different things and be creative. And it's a very uh, like improv based game mm-hmm. where you're building that trust with one another. Uh, I, That's yeah. another great way. Improv. Improv. Oh yeah. Play games. Improv games. Included. Oh yeah. Theater. Um, now this one is another one that I think maybe people don't think of, but be boring. Because a big thing for me... I am breathing a sigh of relief. I love this list. I know. Oh, I love to just chill. Once again, big thanks to Alex. Alex, (laughs) thank you. Um, But here's the thing. I I can count on two hands um, the friends that I have where I can be comfortable sitting with them in silence watching TV for an hour without thinking... I am boring them, right? Like back when I lived in Huntington, me and Bradbury and Bob used to just like get together once a month and watch all three of the original trilogy of Star Wars. And yeah. that was just like what we did on a Saturday. And like the people who it's like, I'm comfortable just sitting around. I don't feel the need to entertain you. You don't feel the need. We don't have to be on with one another. I love it. I love it. Um, this is another one that's especially tough for me, which should be no surprise to anyone listening, but it's listening. <laughs> Um, and and not just being there, not just hearing the story, but don't wait for your next turn to talk. Active listening. Right. Because here's the thing. If you're like me, the problem is, is that I know that the thing I have to say is way more important than the thing <laughs> the other person has to say. But that is not this a is good This is a psychological way. study in itself. <laughs> yes. That is not a good way to make your friend feel heard. And uh, one way to make your friend feel heard is ask them to talk about themselves, right? right? Because people love talking about themselves. We've talked about this before. Follow-up questions and... Oh, you know, bring back like, hey, how did that thing go mm-hmm. that you were, you know, you told me last week you're going to talk to your boss about this. How did that go? Exactly. Right? That kind of stuff matters. And finally, if you can't go above and beyond, which we can't always do the minimum, right? It doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be, you know, I, I traveled across the globe mm-hmm. to be with you today. But just like... Sometimes it's enough to say, I see you. Right, right, yes. Texting like, hey, I was thinking about you. Hope you have a great day. Yeah, right? for example, I got uh, an invitation to a, a get-together from my friend, Lauren. Uh, go check out Messy Bun Podcast. I've been on there before. And I'm not sure if I can go, but I texted her back and I was like, hey, I saw this. I'm looking at it. I want you to know that I will let you know if this is going to work out for me or not. And that's enough. Right. Now, uh, before we get to questions, I want to go over some famous friendships that made me really happy. All right. Uh, First, this one's pretty famous. So I wouldn't be surprised if A, people already know it, and B, we've talked about it before. But John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, Mm. uh, they... They were very good friends for a very long time. They wrote letters to each other, um, and they were hugely impactful on each other's career. But they had a huge political falling out at the uh, that ended in some slanderous insults during the 1800 presidential campaign. Can you imagine a falling out after a presidential campaign? Oh. Um, and then they didn't speak <laughs> for several, several years. And then in 1812, the silence was broken. 
um, by Adams and Jefferson responded and they began uh, to rekindle their relationship. And maybe one of the most famous things about this is they died on the same day within hours of each other on the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. Man. Right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I love how these things kind of work out, you know? Yeah. Like the coincidental is all like, they, all the stars align, as they say. And it's fun. Um, I, I was also fascinated to learn Groucho Marx and T.S. Eliot were really? friends. Yeah, they began writing each other when Eliot reached out for an autograph from Groucho. And Groucho said he wanted a picture of Eliot in return. And they wrote for years, bonding over mutual respect and their shared love of literature. Uh, Marx would often tease Eliot for being so proper and respectful and trying to get a rise out of him uh-huh. by, by writing things like, I would be interested in reading your views on sex, so don't hesitate. Confide, confide in me, Tom. <laughs> um, when they finally met in person in 1964, Marx wrote that he and Eliot shared three things in common, an affection for good cigars, cats, and a weakness for making puns. Oh, yeah, Love that it. makes sense. Uh, Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett were very close, despite mm-hmm. the fact that Ball was 22 years older than Burnett. They would often guest star on each other's shows, and Burnett would often refer to Ball as her mentor. Lucille Ball called Carol Burnett kid, and once even threw her a black tie baby shower, which Carol described as one of the funniest evenings ever. <laughs> Lucille Ball died on April 26, 1989, Carol Burnett's birthday. See, there it is again, right? That day, Carol Burnett received flowers from her friend with a message that said, Happy birthday, kid. Aww. Um, This one is probably one of the most bonkers. This one made Alex and I very happy. Um, So, absurdist playwright Samuel Beckett was friends with Andre the Giant. Oh, boy. In 1953, Beckett moved to a small commune in France Mm -hmm. uh, when Waiting for Godot was published. In the commune, he became friends with a man named Boris Rusimov, a.k.a. Andre the Giant's dad. The story goes that Andre outgrew the school bus when he was 12 years old, so Beckett had a pickup truck and normally would go to town and throw baby Andre the Giant in the bed of his pickup truck and take him to school. Uh, Andre apparently loved to tell this story on the set of Princess Bride. So there's that. Uh, and finally, to go back to presidential uh, You friends. can't hear me, but I'm smiling. Yes. Presidential <laughs> friends. Um, uh, it, so in 1837, Joshua Speed was 23 years old, and a gawky man came into his store asking for a bed. And that man was 28-year-old Abraham Lincoln. Oh, wow. When a bed seemed out of Lincoln's price range, Speed, who was immediately taken with this stranger, said he had a bed upstairs he was happy to share. Without missing a beat, Lincoln walked upstairs, set his stuff down, came back to the store, and smiled and said, well, Speed, I'm moved. Um, there are also those that theorize that perhaps this was a romantic uh, relationship as well as a friendship. Hmm. Um, and this would begin one of the most important friendships in all of American history. Joshua Speed is quietly credited with being the man who redeemed Lincoln when he was at his darkest. Speed brought him out of several suicidal bouts of depression and th- that threatened both his political career and his marriage to Mary Todd. It's quite possible that without Joshua Speed, the Lincoln we idolize today never would have been able to flourish. How nice. So we'll be back with some of your questions. But first, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? Can you say hi, everybody? Hi, everybody. And say thank you in part to Zola. Thank you 
in Partizola. Baby, did you know that right now we're in the thick of engagement season? Mm. You know, Mommy and I got engaged at one point, and we didn't know what to do. We had to figure out how to organize our wedding and our registry and all that stuff all on our own. But you don't have to figure it out on your own. When you get older, you can use Zola. You can choose from, yeah, I know, isn't that exciting? You can choose from hundreds of gorgeous designs and create your website in minutes. Even add custom URL or password protection. I don't know if I mentioned it. From free gorgeous wedding websites designed to the highest rated registry of all time, Zola makes wedding planning easier and less stressful with everything you need all in one place. Zola has helped one million couples get married. Let Zola help you too. Well, not you, B, because you're only three and you shouldn't get married yet. But you can register for gifts, experiences, and honeymoon funds. They have an online RSVP page, an FAQ page, which is great for tackling awkward questions like, are kids invited? Uh, like, is BB invited? Always and everywhere. And all the benefits you and guests want. Free shipping and returns, free and easy exchanges, 20% off post-wedding discount, price matching, group gifting, all of that stuff. You can shop uh, your whole paper suite at Zola with beautiful, affordable invites and papers all designed to match your website. So shop your whole paper suite at Zola from save the dates to invites and thank yous. So go to Zola.com slash schmanners today and use promo code SAVE50 to get 50% off your, your save the dates. You can also get a free personalized paper sample before you purchase. That's 50% off save the dates at Zola.com slash Schmanner promo code save 50. We also want to say thank you to Quip here in the McElroy home. Uh, dental hygiene is very important. BB loves brushing her teeth, don't you, BB? Hi, hi, I love brushing my teeth. You love brushing your teeth? It's important to have good, clean teeth, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Did you know that Quip helps people keep their teeth clean? Why? Well, they have toothbrushes with built-in timers and gentle vibrations, and they also make floss that's pre-portioned, so you don't worry about getting too much or too little, and they make Daddy's favorite toothpaste. Did you know that? What flavor? Uh, well, it's like kind of a minty flavor, but it's not too strong, and it's very good. And did you know that Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills every three months with free shipping? Well, because you need new stuff all the time. BB, did you know that you could go to getquip.com slash schmanners right now for your first refill free? Spelled get, G-E-T, quip, Q-U-I-P, dot com slash schmanners. Mm. Quip, it's the good habits company. Okay, this question is from Project Aeolus. At, at Project Aeolus on okay. Twitter. I don't think that's their real name. At what point in friendship is it okay to refer to someone as your best friend without it being weird or putting them in an awkward position? Hmm. I am not a good person to ask about this because I call everyone my best friend. <laughs> I have, well, that's the way that you do it. Is yeah. Everyone's your best friend. So I have, then there's no <laughs> there's I've had no to start like breaking it down. It's like, this is my Cincinnati best friend. This is my Los Angeles best friend. This is my best friend I've known the longest. This is my best friend with red hair. <laughs> this is my best, best left-handed friend. Let us be friends for all our lives. Let us be friends for all our lives. That's a, a line from Bronster, Dracula. From yeah. Dracula. <laughs> but I, I think that 
I don't know. Maybe it's like I love you and it's just something that happens. I think you're right. I think it is. Um, And, you know, best friends sometimes come and go. Right. You know, you can be a best friend to someone for just a little while. Right. Depending upon your, your and their needs. I, a long time ago, I realized, at least for me, that best friend doesn't mean number one top friend. Right. But rather you have entered this category of a best friend to have, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, you are the best kind of friend. And much like saying I love you, I don't think it has to be reciprocal, right? Like there are people who, I don't think I'm their best best friend, right? But we are best friends, right? This is a person that I can trust and I hope that they trust me, but whether they trust me or not, I know I trust them. But I also think that this is, you know, communication, be vulnerable, right? One Mm -hmm. of those notes is I think that if you are feeling like someone is the best kind of friend to have, I think it's okay to say, I consider you one of my best friends. Certainly. And I also think it's kind of, it's kind of a feeling. It's that, that extra long hug feeling a little bit. Um, And so, I mean, maybe you're not a hugger and that's okay too, but it's that, it's that comfortability and Mm -hmm. as, you know. As someone who has different levels of comfortability with different people, I I think you're right. I think you can have multiple levels and circles and Venn diagrams of best friends. And, you know, labeling it maybe like that is important to you. Maybe it's not important. Um, And if you want to call somebody your best friend, if somebody called me their best friend and I was like, aww, maybe I'm not their best friend, but it means a lot anyway. Right. It's it's not like making someone your you know maid of honor or whatever. It doesn't carry with it specific responsibilities, right? right? It can sometimes just be a delineation between you are someone I know and someone I am friendly with, and someone I consider very close. Certainly. Uh, this question is from Sailor Sammy. How much is too much to put on a friend? They offer to let you unload on them, but you don't want to actually be a burden on them. Where is that line? Ah, Sammy. Huh. That bums me out a little bit, but it also okay. shows that you are you have um, concern for your friend mm-hmm. because friends are not therapists. Although your therapist can be your friend, I suppose. Well, um, the, I don't know. That's debatable. <laughs> the emotional load is what you're talking about, yes. and so you don't want to put the entirety of your emotional lo- load on your friend's shoulders. And I think that. The way that you make each other's loads lighter is you do that for your friend as well. So yes. if you if you are you know concerned about bumming them out, uh, maybe try and focus the relationship a little more on them for a while. You know, trade what did the friendship bank? The right? friendship bank. Yes. Trade now, back and here, forth with this. First of all, Sammy, the reason it bums me out a little bit is don't ever worry about being a burden i think that that's a bad way to think about it the only way that that can happen right is i don't know that it's about the amount of information right or what you're telling them it is the expectation right so never expect your friend to fix your problem mm-hmm. or to be able to give you an answer right? i agree right and so i think that if you're worried about it lead off by saying i want you to know I don't expect you to fix this and I'm not looking for answers. I just need to say this out loud. I just need to talk to someone about it. 
but you are under no obligation to try to solve it for me, right? Because that for me is the only time, and it's not that they're a burden, it's that I worry and I internalize their mm-hmm. problem because I want to fix it for my friend. I That's love them That's what makes very it much. heavy. Right, is I want to fix it because I love them. I, I'm, I'm never like, oh, this person just burdened me with this. It's just like, not every problem is something that can be fixed. Sometimes all you need to do as a friend is listen. And I think my mom used to call that venting. That's yeah, a thing, right? Right. People vent. say I mean, that. The vent. Yeah. Um, I do think along these lines, though, is there is a thing. Let me see if I can find the question. Um, oh, okay. So this is from Hannah. If I have an issue that I'd like to don't like to talk to my friend about, is asking if they're able to process or help me actually necessary? I don't want to overstep my boundaries, but it also seems like asking for permission to talk about anything negative is overkill. I think my first inclination with that is like, use your best judgment, right? In that I mean- Read the room. Right, right. It's like, if it's something, for example, if it was like, I saw a car accident, right? And it was really gory, right? That might, you might want to talk to a professional about the details of that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't say like, well, seeing that car accident really messed me up and I'm just kind of shaking right now. You know, but if there is something, I like I said, I, if you have a friend that you know is also going through stuff, um, oh, let me put it this way. I think it's not about asking to see if they're able to handle it so much as it's like, do you have time to talk? I've got some stuff that's really bumming me out. Is this a good time to talk? Are you able to, you know, help me with it now? Do you want to schedule a time to talk about it? That's usually the way I would phrase it. Yeah, because I, I don't think that... You need to couch it so much as like, this is a really bad thing, more as I need more time. I need right. your time. Or And, you know, here's the thing. If you are worried about it, if it's something you feel like you need to say, let, let's put it this way. We're talking about vulnerability and communication, right? As you're establishing a friendship and you're getting to know this person, I think you can say, are you the type of person that if I have something, you know, negative to talk about, if I have something that's pretty heavy to talk about, would you like me to check with you to make sure that you're in a place to talk about it, right? Because listen, I go through depressive episodes and I go to therapists for it. There may be a time where I'm in the middle of one of those episodes where maybe I'm not at my best to be the person a friend vents to, right? I acknowledge that about myself. But that's something that I would tell them. I don't need them to check with me first, right? So I think it's all about communicating with your friends. Uh, and being, you know, vulnerable. Um, Sidebar, how does it make you feel when I quote you back to you? I see a little glint in your eyes when oh, I say Oh, it makes things. me so very happy. Oh. <laughs> like friendship it makes and me things like that. feel like finally you've heard and understood how wise I am. Um, <laughs> now, this is a tough one. This one's from Grace. Suggestions on how to end a long-term friendship. Now, there are two mm-hmm. kinds of this I can think of. And the one that Grace references is me and my friend grew up together, but ended up going to different high schools and growing apart. We are in our 20s and only see each other about once a year. And I always find myself dreading it. Now, with that specific example, Grace, what that makes me think of is, at least for me, right? When I find myself in these circumstances where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see this person that I barely know and have to pretend like we're best friends still. 
you could counteract that by making an effort to like, you know what? I'm going to get to know them again. Yeah, reconnect. But if you're done with that friendship, I would say maybe just don't make those plans. And if that's, oh, no, that's ghosting. Maybe just, I mean, there it's not ghosting to let it fade organically. Mm. Ghosting would be this person texts you, hey, I'm excited to see you at the bar this year at Christmas or whatever, and you never responding. Yeah. Right? That would be ghosting. Yeah. If this person doesn't text you, don't text them. That's a natural kind of like fading away. Or if like it doesn't, don't go out of your way to make the plans work if they don't work out. Right. Or, I mean, you could even, I think, say to the person, I'm not, I... I'm not going to go to the bar this year. And, you know, it's been, it's just been too long. Yeah. Or, I mean. It's tough, right? It's, it's tough it's because, tough you, because what, you don't want, you don't want to ghost. But you also, if you are not interested in this friendship, I think you, you can say that because, because, okay, yeah. Because we're always talking about you need to decide what this relationship means to you. If you don't want to be this person's friend anymore and you say, this is not working out for me, if they get mad at you, they get mad at you. That relationship yeah. doesn't mean as much to you, you know? I think when we think about like breakups, it's it's way easier to contextualize breaking up with a romantic partner. Because, or in some sort of, like, blowout, right? Well, but what I mean with a romantic partner is because the stakes seem higher. Mm -hmm. That there's, there's, it's more important to end a romantic relationship because if you're someone who practices monogamy, right, that is a one kind of relationship that has a lot of, um, the only word I can think of is burden. And that's not what I mean. It I love you a, so much. It has a one in, one out scenario. Well, but more than that, when you're in a romantic relationship, that's a higher level, uh, you know, of 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 relationship. Responsibility, right? even. Yes, thank you. That's what you're talking about. Whereas not with burden. friendships, you know, you can be in a friendship where you only see someone once a year. And if you were dating someone who you only saw once a year, that might be an issue, potentially. And so, but I still think that relationships are relationship. Relationships are important. And if this is something you dread doing, man, chances are the other person might feel that way too. But I would say, like, it's important to say, like, hey, you know, I, I understand that, you know, we've been doing this for many years and we've known each other for a long time. But I just really feel like we've grown apart. And I don't know that it is important to me that we see each other this year. If, you know, I, I'm happy to stay in contact via, via, like, email or Facebook Messenger or whatever, but I just don't know that I have the time to uh, make plans this year, which is hard. Now, what about yeah. a toxic big blow-up, and not just, like, oh, me and my friend got in an argument, but, like, this person has shown time and time again to not be the kind of person I want to be friends with. Right. That is harder emotionally, but almost easier <laughs> in Because I think it's more, it feels more important, right? <laughs> yes. I think that's what I was getting at, is a friend that you've grown apart from, it feels less urgent mm -hmm. to do something about, whereas a toxic friendship feels 
urgent, feels more important to deal with. So it's easier to find the motivation to deal with it. I think the the best way to do that is I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I need space. Don't contact me. I'll contact you if I want to start again. Right. And on something being hard doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. Right. And sometimes the rightest thing to do is the hardest thing to do. But if if they are way overdrawn at the friendship bank, right? Like it, I'm sure that you want to help them and you want to be there for, but at a certain point it's not just a a neutral for you. It is a negative for you. And if a friendship is negative for you. It's not it, a friendship. It's not a friendship. It's not a relationship you should be in. Um, and it will be hard to end it, but you should. Uh, this is from Maya. What's the best way to stay neutral when two friends are fighting? Um, I think the best way to stay neutral is to not be an emissary between. Uh, because inevitably someone is one of them is going to think that um that you are on quote the other's side right so um i'm not saying you have to pick a side because i don't believe that you do but i think that you cannot carry messages from one to the other you can be a good ear for both you can give genuine heartfelt advice to both but don't tell the other about what you have said to one, right? I think think this is something we talk about all the time, which is setting expectations and communication, right? Right. Is saying to them, listen, I understand that I am connected to both of you and you are fighting, but I am going to ask you to not put me in the position of being in the middle of this because you are both important to me and I will not pick a side, right? And like I said, that doesn't mean that you can't talk about the issue. Right. But I would advice. also say if if even talking about the issue makes you uncomfortable. Then you don't have to. Then you don't have to. Right. It's like you just because you are connected to both parties doesn't mean you are obligated to be a part of it. And I think that if they are your friends, they will respect that. Right. And I think that it is it is important to say what you need and not just assume that they will know that you are uncomfortable being in the middle. Uh, so one last question. This is from Ashley, and this is probably the question everyone wants to know. (laughs) How to make friends in your 30s? Or, I guess, after school as an adult, however you want to phrase it. Right. And I think that the the real key to this is you have to actively do it. Right. There is no passiveness about making new friends. And that's the hard part, right? You have to go places. You have to talk to people. You have to participate in activities. You have to make a a concerned effort. And that is what's hard. If you go back through the episode, we already told you how to do it. And the answer is (laughs) be vulnerable. That's the thing is like when a lot of people say like why it's more difficult as an adult to make friends, they will reference like as a kid, you would just walk up to somebody and be like, we're friends now. And it wasn't that it was magical when you were kids. It's that you weren't. You didn't feel weird doing that. Right. You weren't all hung up on the what ifs and I feel awkward and things like that. You were willing to do the work because it was just like, hey, I like to play with dinosaurs too. Let's play together. And so what I started doing a long time ago and has really worked out for me is if I meet someone new, normally I tend to meet new people through other people, right? Mm -hmm. Go to someone else's party, go to an event hosted by someone, whatever. 
right? And I like this new person. I say to them, hey, I've really enjoyed hanging out with you. Let's hang out again sometime. I become friends with them on Twitter and message them and make plans to hang out with them. And there is still a part of my brain that says like, oh, no, they feel pressure to hang out with you and they don't really want to. And this is awkward for them. But like every the thing I've learned from this show and my brother, my brother and me and every social interaction I've had is everybody wants to make friends. Like the majority of people are all trying to figure out how to make friends as an adult. And they're just waiting for someone to say, I want to be friends with you. Yeah. Now, if you want more practical advice, join a club, uh, take a baking class, go to things where new people are and meet them. And now if you hear that, that's the sound of our baby waking up, which means, as always, this episode is coming to an end. Thank you so much for listening. Um, listen, we got the Max Fun Drive coming up, uh, and we've got a really fun uh, special, you know, bonus episode planned that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Um, go to macroy.family and you can check out and click on merch. Check out all the merch there. Uh, you can click on tours uh, and find out about those. Speaking of which, uh, my brother, my brother, and me, uh, along with Sawbones, is going to be performing in uh, Cincinnati on February nineteenth, and the Adventure Zone on February. 20th. Uh, you can still get tickets for that here in Cincinnati. Come see us. Uh, family. Click on tours. Uh, go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the other amazing shows there. Let's see what else, Teresa. As always, thank you to Brent Brentofloss Black for the, writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art at Schmanners. That's where we get at Schmanners Cast. Right. That's where we get all of our great questions for all of our episodes and watch for um, fun things during the Max Fun Drive this year. Yep. We always go on Twitter. We love to give thank yous and things. Um, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for our cover photo of our fan run Facebook group. You can join that. It's called Schmanners Fanners. Uh, if you would love to give and get excellent advice from other fans. Um, thank you to Alex, our research assistant and uh, writer for our ep- most of our episodes. Without whom we would not be able to do this, especially now with two uh, rug rats running around. <laughs> well, Dot's not quite running. Not but yet. Uh, She will. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Alex. You're incredible. Um, and let me, is there anything else? No, I think that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.